You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. everyone and welcome to Metamorphosis, a podcast designed to help medical students navigate their medical careers. My name is Ali. And my name is Adam. On today's episode, we have three fourth-year students from UBC Medicine. All three of these students have matched the specialties and locations of their choice and will be starting their residencies in the, hopefully, near future. So we want to start off by giving all three of you a big congratulations on the match and also for completing med school. Um, But before we begin, we want you to introduce yourselves to our audience, uh, just starting with your name, the specialty you match to, and if you'll be moving to a new city. All right. So my name is Tina, and I match to obstetrics and gynecology at UBC, um, and I'll be staying in Vancouver. My name is Maya. I guess we'll go ladies first. (laughs) My name is Maya. Uh, I match to pediatrics at UBC in Victoria, so I'll be moving from Vancouver to Victoria. Uh, and my name's Taylor. I match to family medicine at UBC, and I'll be going up to Kamloops. Awesome. And thanks again for joining us on the show to everyone. We really appreciate that. Now, when Allie and I are talking, we realize that for us as first years, we have a pretty good idea of how preclinical years work and some idea of what clerkship looks like. But would you guys be able to walk us through what fourth year might look like? Sure. Um, I, I guess I can start and you guys can jump in at any point. Um So basically fourth year actually kind of starts halfway through third year um, because halfway through third year you pick all of your electives and you start setting things up for your out-of-province electives in fourth year as well. So you kind of have to be on the ball as far as knowing what kind of electives you want to do and if you want to go elsewhere throughout Canada to do those electives. Um, So essentially you start applying about halfway through third year and you've done I think about two blocks of clerkship at that point. So um, you've kind of only seen half of what clerkship is going to show you Um, and then fast forward to the start of fourth year I think it starts usually around July Um, and then you have uh, I can't remember exactly how many weeks there are but um, basically you have most the vast majority of the time between July and around November is um, just elective time where you can decide essentially whatever you want to do um, there are some restrictions as far as being able to do a certain number of electives in a particular specialty so for us I think it was 12 weeks but that may have changed now um, and then there are some um, restrictions around having to do a certain amount of weeks in generalist fields so um, internal family peds I think all those kind of things would qualify within that um, but otherwise it's it's kind of up to you and fourth year is the time when you you get letters which I think are um, arguably the most important thing as far as getting CARMS interviews and potentially your match in the future um, so it's really a chance for you to try out different programs and see what they're all about and for them to get to know you as well um, yeah so that's that's most of fourth year if you guys have anything else yeah, sure. And then, okay. And then after that's all done, um, then you get to the kind of exciting and extremely stressful parts of CARMS. Um, so once you're done your electives in November, uh, by that point, you would have submitted your CARMS application online. You wait to hear back about interviews. And then usually in January, early February is when you would go on your CARMS tour um, across the country. Now, when you guys hear this, it could be it could be all virtual at that point um, but that's when you'll have your interviews and then usually you get the CARMS results with your residency match in early March 
the rest of fourth year is you might have an elective after that point, you'll have some classes again, um, and then you study for your licensing exam that you usually take around April and May, and then you're done. Yeah, and if, if anyone listening is anything like me, and I think also Tina and maybe Taylor as well, uh, I had never heard of the match before med school started, and then people started talking about it, like, first few weeks of first year started coming up and you're kind of like what I thought I was done with applying for things um so you know (laughs) you're never done um so fourth year is this whirlwind where you're kind of hopping between two and four week electives you know with the inner pressure of like trying to impress um so there are a lot of pressures um in that year uh through that but you know you have your peers to get you through it together um and ultimately it ends so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to- totally agree with that. I went into medical school and I honestly just thought you picked at the end which one you wanted to do. And there was like no, like no you know, problems with whatever you wanted to match to. You just, if you wanted to be a particular person, that was what you ended up. And I think that's why, like when you explain to family members that at the end of this, you there's like this competitive process where you may or may not go into what you want to. And, uh, you know, they're just, they have no idea that that is the case. So it's all kind of confusing until you go through it yourself. But um, yeah, yeah and it's you, a bit you of find a mess. Yourself, <laughs> you find yourself in fourth year and you're like, okay, for two or four weeks, I have to audition now and prove to them that I'm worthy of the reference letter. It's like yeah. going around the country collecting tokens. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the end of the day, most people are very kind and nice. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I think just one thing for fourth year, like if you took away the magnitude of what you're trying to do and you're trying to get letters and all that stress like it's kind of cool getting to go across the country and see new places and um you know work in different environments and all that kind of stuff there's obviously a lot of stress i think just around how frequently you have to move like Maya was saying sometimes it's like literally every two weeks you're moving to a new city arranging accommodations like figuring out the new EMR system and meeting all your new staff members and then you finally get a bit of a grip on it and you do it again somewhere else after two weeks so that part kind of sucks but otherwise you get to pick stuff that you want to do for the most part in fourth year so that's kind of cool too. So just to like drill down a little bit more, did you guys feel prepared for all of this after the first three years of medical school or was this just, you know, jumping into the deep end? I feel like every year is a little bit of jumping into the deep end. Um, but I, I found that like personally for myself, I felt more prepared for fourth year than going into third year. Uh, mostly because like I started out all of my electives in the specialty I wanted to pursue, which was OBGYN. So naturally I spent some time reviewing the material beforehand Um, again, like knowing that I would be auditioning essentially across the country every two weeks, I wanted to make sure I was on top of my stuff, um, and knew the material. I think going into third year was way more daunting and way more like, what the heck is going on? Because you've never even worked at a hospital before. You have no idea where anything is. You don't know who, like what people work where or how it even runs. But I would say electives was easier in that sense not easy going from place to place but easier in that you it's not your first rodeo you've done it before and you're doing something that you hopefully love and enjoy what do you guys think yeah 100 percent. i think it's much higher pressure fourth year versus third year but um it's it's way less of a shocker yeah, and I think I think Tina's totally right about the the medicine being a little bit easier. I think one of the big things is you you're doing the same thing repetitively. So in, in clerkship, you're kind of bouncing around between specialties a lot. And I found in fourth year, you were 
like for the most part, at least for myself, I was doing a lot of similar things, whether that was like rural med or merge or family, like there was a lot of repeating things. And I started to find that the medicine I was getting a better hold of, um, I found the transition to at least the CARMS process, uh, a little bit daunting. Cause I feel like throughout medical school, I was always told like, Oh, don't worry about CARMS. Like by the time it's there, you'll be well prepared. And then all of a sudden it was like, you really need to worry about CARMS right now. Like it's all coming. Um, and then it all just seemed very sudden. So like with arranging out of province electives, I was kind of like, just, you know, seeing everyone post about it and I was like, okay, maybe I should actually do something about this and then look into it. But all that stuff seemed to happen really quickly. But the medicine, I think you'll be quite comfortable with, um, or at least more comfortable with in fourth year than you were in clerkship. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Crimes happened and came very quickly. And everything we're saying is with the caveat that we luckily went through CARMS not in a time of a pandemic. So our match day was March 3rd, which is probably about like 10-ish days before everything got shut down. So um, just keeping that in mind for all of the people who are going into CARMS next year and hopefully not the following, but maybe the following year, that things are going to look a little bit different. But it sounds like they still will get about 20 weeks of pre-CARMS electives. Um, and then they'll have their CARMS application due at a bit of a later deadline. So, you know, when we talk about November being the CARMS application deadline and February, like January, February being the CARMS tour uh, and match day being in March, I think all that is going to be shifting for the next year at least. But um, timeline wise, I think, and principles wise, I think it still applies similarly. Yeah, I think that's a really good point for our, our audience that some things might be changing given everything that's going on, even the fact that this podcast has changed and we're doing this over Zoom. <laughs> um, but a lot of things are kind of up in the air for the future, uh, but CARMS, CARMS will still be happening, just might look a little bit different. Uh, so to jump off what you said, Taylor, I think I'm definitely in the same boat, and Ali, I'm sure you'd agree of the whole, oh, don't worry about CARMS, and then, okay, now CARMS is a thing and you have to apply. When it comes to CARMS and about the process specifically, you mentioned that you start with an application. Now, is that one application to CARMS in general, or is it that you write various letters of interest to all the various programs? Would you be able to speak a little bit more about how this works? So totally. Like for me, CARMS was like far away. That was a problem for future me to worry about. And then suddenly, bam, like the website opens up, you log in, you make an account, you pay hundreds of dollars (laughs) and then, (laughs) and then you get a deadline and you're like, wait, I have to do this on top of asking for reference letters, writing personal statements, and also trying to impress on my electives. Um, So it's a lot to manage all at once suddenly, because suddenly everything just changes and you kind of switch gears. Um, So how it looked like was in your fourth year, you start electives in July, as Taylor said, and then about September, the CARMS website opens up for you to make an account into their portal. And what it essentially is, is that it was kind of similar to med school applications where you basically fill in your research, your extracurriculars, your leadership, your hobbies, your publications, your elective information onto this website Um, that you've made an account in. And so all of that information um, is in CARMS. And when you decide to apply to a specific program, and when I say program, I mean a specialty in one university. So for example, a program is UBC internal. A program is not UBC, it's the specific specialty at that school. So when you apply for multiple programs, Um, All that information is already on CARMS that you've entered, so you don't have to repeat entering all of these entries. It's just kind of there and it's centralized. 
However, for each program, you have to write a specific uh, personal statement, uh, kind of like a cover letter. And then depending on the program as well, they may require you to have three to five reference letters, which um, your referees will send into the centralized portal and you get to choose which letters you want for each program. So it kind of takes a while to get used to. Like I remember clicking around frantically a lot. I remember calling my friends and making sure that I had filled every box correctly. Um, but it definitely, I would recommend like taking lots of time just to even flip through every page to see if you've missed anything uh, because it's not like an interface you've used before and it's not, it's not really intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like I had to find my old hard drive with my med school application uh, write-ups. Remember like the 150 character NAQ write-ups oh for UBC Med? Like I actually had to go back and look through those to <laughs> remember the stuff I did before med. But it was actually like that. Like you you fill in a box for pretty much everything you've done That's is, that's like of significance. I guess just kind of building on what Tina said about like pulling out hold hard drives and stuff. I think the biggest piece of tangible advice that I could give third years and even people approaching third year is to start to take a record of, you know, the kind of things that you're doing and be on the ball about having that done beforehand. Cause like she said, you don't want to be in fourth year on all these electives and having to come home and put all this together um, or spend most of your time putting this together. So, um, you know, do your CV in the summer before fourth year starts and all your electives because preceptors will ask you for it when you ask them for a reference letter. Um, and by doing that, you kind of go back through and be like, okay, what have I done over the past four years or even before that? Um, and then similarly with when you're going through clerkship and fourth year, taking a record of the patient encounters and the kind of things that you're seeing in the hospital is really helpful too um, because in your personal statements and in your interviews that kind of stuff will come up over and over again so if you have something you can go to and remember a patient or something that happened in the beginning of third year is really helpful because I personally would not remember that by the time interviews come in fourth year it's just like I, I need to have that written down or it's gone kind of thing and then after you do all of this and apply to the different programs and the programs um, assess you and then invite you for interviews and you go on this tour and interview, what happens then? What's the final step? The rank process. <laughs> Are you referring to the rank order list? I am. The mysterious <laughs> rank order list. So essentially, yeah, so we physically went and interviewed at various places around the country um, in very cold places around the country. <laughs> um, some programs will require you to also attend socials. Some socials are have better food than others. Um, <laughs> some don't feed you quite as well, so you end up having to eat ramen. That's a big red flag. Yeah, no after. food. Yeah, when you have to eat dinner after the social, that's uh... <laughs> literally every time, you guys. Most influential so, yeah, factor. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, and so yeah, you know, late time ramen in your hotel room at like midnight after the social. Go to sleep, rinse, repeat. You get home exhausted, and then you have about two weeks to assemble your rank order list. Now, it looks like in the future you won't be flying around the country, so I think that's probably good for your bank and for your mind. But um, anyways, you'll have to you know, assemble this list where you kind of rank your preferences of all the programs that you have applied to. Something that's interesting is you could even rank programs that didn't offer you an interview, um, which is counterintuitive, but... Essentially, they encourage you to rank how you would rank what you would most desire from one to 
however many. Uh, and if you apply to family, you might have a lot of programs because each school has, like, I mean, UBC has 18, 19 programs. Taylor can. Yeah, yeah, something like that. If there's a lot. Something there's like that. Yeah, something around there. Yeah, so you, you come up with this really long list. Now, I don't think any of us couples matched, but if you couples match, which is an interesting concept that not too many people know about, your rank list can be tied to another person's rank list who's going through comms at the same time. So if Tina and I were couples matching, we would say, you know, I want to do pediatrics in Vancouver when Tina is doing OBGYN in Vancouver. And then our next line would be the next city and so forth. And, and then you kind of start to get into combinations where, you know, maybe I'm in Calgary and Tina is in Edmonton and that's a better case scenario than like farther apart. And so the combinations can get really, really long and the list can get to hundreds for people who are couples matching. But I can't speak from experience. So I'm just anecdotally. Um, yeah. And then you submit that into the abyss of CARMS and you know that in the meantime, the, uh, the, the programs with the residents and the program directors are sitting around kind of, I don't know if they're talking about applicants or looking through scores of interviews or whatever they do to assess you and they're putting together their own rank list of applicants and then it goes into the abyss of the CARMS algorithm um, which is you know a computery word another that black never box was part of my vocabulary <laughs> yeah. never used to be part of my vocabulary before this but yeah you go goes into this algorithm and spits out a match cool you make it sound so simple yeah <laughs> I don't really know why the machine takes like however many weeks it takes between you know, submission of your list and match day to spit out the result, but I guess it needs a lot of proofing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never get away from the waiting for interview results, eh? Yeah, <laughs> it's just nope, all we doesn't do. End. <laughs> uh, that's great. So I think we've got a pretty good idea of what the last year has looked like for you, but I want to take you back to the beginning of med school now and put you a little bit more into mine and Allie's shoes. So for you, what specialties did you think you wanted to pursue when you first started medical school? Maybe, maybe Taylor, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, yeah, so what, what specialties I was thinking of before. Uh, like I said, when I was coming into medical school, I thought I just was able to pick at the end of it. So um, you know what? I, I think there was a couple things that I was thinking of. I did my kinesiology degree at UBC. Um, so coming into medical school, I was pretty interested in MSK stuff, and I thought orthopedics would be something that I would be interested in. Um, the other thing that was on my radar is uh, family medicine. So my mother worked as an MOA at my family doctor's clinic, and I'm, growing up, I've, I've had a close, he's my family doctor, but I've had kind of a personal relationship with him as well, got to know him, and um, I think he was someone that inspired me to pursue medicine in the first place. So um, like he was, you know, he delivered babies, he did some eMERGE work, had some inpatients, he did outpatient work. And I, I think that's kind of what I always saw as like the, the vision of a doctor that I wanted to pursue. Um, so those were kind of the two things that I was thinking of going into medical school. And then honestly, when I was in the first two preclinical years, I had no idea. Like my mind changed so many times. I just, I, I like a lot of stuff. Um, and one thing for sure in the first two years, I was kind of put off of family medicine from those, um, oh, what do they call them? When you go once a week into the family doctor's clinic. Anyways, it, it, you have those outpatient experiences. And I found at that point, I think it was just my clinical knowledge was so lacking that it just felt like I was shadowing someone and had no idea what they were thinking about or like what, what the patient was presenting with. And they'd ask me to do something. I was like, I don't know how to suture something. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
so I mean, the experience I think was kind of lacking in that. And then I, I just, you, you only see one aspect of family medicine. So I was kind of deterred from that at, at that point. Um, and then going into clerkship, I'm not sure how far you want me to walk through this, but I'll, uh, so going into clerkship, um, I started with peds and OB and two things that weren't really on my radar at all, but I, I really enjoyed both of those. And I was starting to think, well, I, you know, I don't know if I only want to see kids, but I certainly don't want to completely eliminate kids from my practice. And the same thing with OB, I didn't want to, um, I don't think I wanted to do the high risk deliveries, but I thought being able to continue to do those in the future would be cool. And I didn't want to completely you know, cut dealing with OBGYN problems out of my practice as well. And honestly, that just kind of continued as I was going through clerkship. I, I really enjoyed a lot of different um, things that I was rotating through. And when I hit, so surgical, um, the surgical block was my next one. And I went into ortho and I honestly really did not like it. Um, nothing against ortho, but I even shadowed in the first two years and I thought it was pretty cool. But I found when you were doing the day-to-day um, ortho practice and where I was, it was like you did two hit replacements in the morning then two knee replacements in the afternoon and that cycle just repeated every day for two weeks um, and I found there just wasn't really enough variety for what I was looking for personally um, and then I had I had rural family and emerge and, and that at the end and I think that just really solidified that that was what I wanted to do I um, I really enjoyed the variety and being able to bounce around between different things um, and then also with family being able to you know pick a niche and be able to have the flexibility to change that throughout your practice too I thought was something that was really appealing um, and then something also that they reiterated, uh, particularly on the rural rotations that I was on is you, I mean, you can work as much or as little as you want in family. There's, there's a ton of flexibility in that way. So if you, if you want to work a ton and, and make a ton of money and take a lot of call at one point in your life, you can do that. And then if you want to just work a little bit at the end of your career or whenever, if you have kids, I mean, um, you know, you can kind of make it what you want and you can pick your niche. And, and I thought that was all really cool aspects of family. So those are some of the reasons that I decided to pursue it. So let's circle back again to the first little bit and coming into med school. I know from chatting with you last week that, Tina, you were mentioning that you had some idea or a number of ideas of what you might be interested in coming into med school. Yeah, um, I think like I'm I'm maybe a little luckier and like more streamlined in my interests. Um, I was involved with like sexual health education um, in my undergrad years. Um, so I knew I wanted to continue to pursue something in that realm uh, eventually in medical school. Um, I didn't know how, like what avenue I actually wanted to take to pursue this, um, but I wanted to continue working in women's health, um, in sexual health in general, as well as with marginalized populations. So a couple of things kind of floated in my head. Obviously, OBGYN was huge from the get-go because like a lot of people in our class, like I caught the Tracy Pressy fever pretty quickly and I was like, this also aligns with my interests. So it's, it's a slam dunk. Like it's, there's, no, nice. there's nothing else. <laughs> um, yeah, however, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you catch on pretty quickly. Um, but not a lot of people, myself included, actually knew what the day in and day out of what an obstetrician or gynecologist would look like. Um, I also was interested in urology, mostly also because I did some research there in my undergrad. Um, it had similar procedures to OBGYN as well. Um, you could work on a lot of sexual medicine um, and fertility. Um, plus, I just thought it was fun and it was still surgical. 
So I, I kind of had a sense of what I wanted to do. And then I think clerkship really just like sealed the deal. I had my OB rotation and um, I guess like I don't want to say that, oh, it was like destiny and I found like I found, finally found my calling. But like when I reflect back on third year, it truly was like the best six weeks of third year for me. Um, and like I have to be honest with myself there and it's pretty telling when you can tell yourself that confidently um that that is probably what you should do <laughs> it's pretty pretty evident um and then it's funny actually when I told my mom that I wanted to do this and I also wanted to do surgery she was like oh yeah that makes sense because when you were eight you used to cut all your stuffed animals open and perform C-sections <laughs> on them and I was like okay <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I think I've been more surgically inclined most of my life. I like seeing, I like the instant gratification. I like working with my hands. I like doing things over and over again. Um, and I like seeing results. And I think clerkship really highlighted those personality traits for me pretty obviously. <laughs> yeah. I love knowing that about you. Yeah, I know. That's great. Yeah. Tina performing surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote, I actually wrote that fact on some of my personal statements to like my OB program applications and <laughs> quite a number of times people brought that up. They would look at the form and be like, so you, as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a 100% success rate in surgery so far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's, that's amazing. So now, Maya, we, uh, we come to you. Uh, do you want to walk us through where you were at coming into med school? Yeah, so I guess um, mine is a little bit almost opposite to Tina's in a way, in a, in a funny way. So I guess um, when I got into med school, it was like this complete shock. You know, it's like this dream you never let yourself envision too closely because of the potential disappointment. So then once it happened, it was complete shock. And um, I remember sitting down with my parents like shortly after I got into med school before even starting and they're like, so what kind of doctor do you want to be? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, it's starting already. Um, and, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm like a pretty happy kind of bubbly person and I feel like medicine can be kind of sad. So like, maybe I'll want to do OBS guide. I remember telling my family like deliver babies. That seems like the happiest part of medicine. Um, very shortly after I figured out that's not what I wanted to do, um, I think. Uh, my clerkship rotation was wonderful in OB. I loved the people I worked with and it was uh, really fun, but uh, I'm much less surgically inclined and sitting, sitting on a stool with like, you do this thing where you're like at the bottom of a hysterectomy as a med student. It's like the grunt work of being a med student in OBGYN and you're like, uh, you've got this like kind of stick and you have to navigate the cervix and uterus while the um, surgeons are on the quote unquote top kind of taking out the uterus and it's you know you sit there on a stool and you're like pushing and they keep saying keep push hard and you're like keep pushing keep pushing and I remember like wearing a mask and I had a cold at the time and it, I had like biked to St. Paul's at six in the morning in the rain and was like still wet from that and like my nose was running and like I thought I was gonna choke on my own snot in my mask and I was like this is how I die like sitting here with this like plastic stick like sitting between some poor woman's legs and I was like no this is not for me. So, so that was that that ruled out OB for me but pretty early on, I guess I realized, I don't know, I, I just kept thinking, I don't know what I want to do, uh, try to keep things open. 
Um, I enjoyed my first two years of family practice experiences. Uh, going into clerkship, I thought probably maybe I want to do pediatrics, but I wanted to explore that further. And so, yeah, on my radar was family, OB, pediatrics, internal medicine, uh, psychiatry. All five of those were potentially fields I could see myself doing before starting clerkship. So I was very confused. And if any of you resonate with your star signs, I'm a Libra. I'm very <laughs> indecisive. So same, same. I feel I'm that. I'm <laughs> indecisive throughout the whole process. Yeah. And ultimately ended up in peds, but indecisive to start for sure. Can I just add that, like, it, it's not necessarily like a serendipity moment, but, but sometimes it could be because I remember talking to Maya after her pediatrics rotation and she, we were with a group of friends and Maya goes, guys, can I just say something on <laughs> peds? I felt for the first time, like, like a real doctor, like the doctor I wanted to be. And I was like, okay, that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> about that Tina that's right we were at we, we were at uh brew hall yeah outside yeah and, and you just had I something said, to guys, disclose I think I want to be a pediatrician yeah. <laughs> this that's episode true. is not sponsored by brew hall for the record <laughs> <laughs> we could be open to that though oh, we could be. do the next episode yeah that sounds yeah. like a good idea <laughs> Once yeah, I think that actually brings up uh, a good point too. In in one way to I feel like um, reflect on and how much you enjoyed different um, clerkship electives. At least for myself, as was talking to my girlfriend because she would know if I was enjoying or not enjoying a particular thing that I was on. And there were some things that I'd come home like a lot more excited to tell her about what happened. The other ones I just like would want to go to bed and had was not having a good time. So. I, I think sometimes they know as well. And then when you're like, yeah, I, I'd really like to do this one. They're like, yeah, that was like, of course you do that. You, you love that one. And then you're like, oh yeah, I guess I did. So sometimes talking to other people helps. So true. I completely yeah, forgot. I think, I think that's really helpful to kind of get some external opinions. I know even Allie and I will, will chat after class or CBL and sometimes and be like, I just don't know how you can pick something because last week was say infertility and it was really interesting. And now we're doing central nervous system infections, which is not even remotely the same. And it's really interesting. And so navigating between all that can get a little overwhelming. And their advice is, is really helpful. Yeah, I think the spiral makes it more difficult, to be honest, because like Absolutely. every week you're starting fresh rather than three months at a time of one thing. Um, which like, if you have more time to spend on one thing, you find out the parts you don't like, but you never, you never have that in first and second year. No, so. they only present the most interesting parts in that one week. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to, I'm hoping you guys can clear the air on a topic that, that is, comes up a lot, especially when we first started med school and that's shadowing. Um, some people say you have to do tons of it. Some people say you have to do none of it. So I'm wondering if any of you, any of you did it and, and if you found it useful, um, in eventually deciding on the specialty you chose? I, I guess I, I can start. Um, yeah, I, so I, I did a fair bit of shadowing. Um, I did my my first summer, uh, I did some research at, at Children's and they, they kind of had it where you could go in and shadow any of the, the surgeons. Um, so I, I saw most of the pediatric surgical specialties at least at that point. And then I was quite interested in ortho, like I was saying. So throughout the first two years, I spent some time with the orthos in Vancouver. and. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I think I think it does. It shows you something. Like it, it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the specialty, and and I think that overall, it's it's not a bad thing to to try to do. Um, but I think really, you don't need to beat yourself up if you don't get to third year and know exactly 
what you want to pick because the day-to-day um, job is sometimes a lot different than what it looks like when you show up for four or eight hours or whatever it is when you're shadowing. Um, so when you go through clerkship and you get to experience that, I think that really shows you a lot too. Uh, but it, I mean, it can open your eyes, especially to things that you like didn't really know about. Honestly, I had no idea like what anesthesia looked like or ENT and I, I didn't really shadow any of those things, but um, you know, going through clerkship and kind of getting exposed to those specialties was big. But I, I think if there's something that you don't really know anything about and you want to shadow it, that's that's probably helpful too. Yeah, I agree with Taylor. I shadowed um, very infrequently in first and second year, um, mostly because m- my most of my experiences didn't really tell me or give me much. I didn't I didn't find it that beneficial for myself. If there's something that like you're like I've always wanted to see this and I've never seen it before, then great that like that might be a good time to shadow something. Um, I did shadow an obstetrician in second year simply because I had a hunch that I would be interested in it, but I had never seen like a vaginal delivery, so I was like I should actually just see one before I um, like try to go for it because like what if what if I'm like completely thrown off by it and don't want to do it but so it's just like for something if you've never seen it and you want to see it I think it's useful otherwise um clerkship I think is way more telling for what you might want to pick in the future yeah I agree I think for those people who haven't really been shadowing that much or have only done it a few times like that's so okay you have so many months of clerkship to explore different things and to meet supervisors who might be keen to become mentors and have you come in for extra time or whatever, if that's something that you want. But um, I shadowed very little in first and second year, maybe a total of like four times, probably all of them with family friends um, who were like, you should come into my clinic and see what I do. And I was like, okay, sure, cool. Um, Because no one in my family was in medicine. So all of it was new. Um, and it was always pretty fun, but yeah, it never actually made, I think, a significant difference in my trajectory. Yeah, fair. I, I think that's something kind of like Ali was mentioning that you hear opposite ends of the spectrum on, in your preclinical years where, you know, this person is shadowing all the time at every chance they can get. And you might be sitting there saying to yourself, I've shadowed once. I don't know what's going on. Am I going to match? And <laughs> all these things start floating through your head. So it's nice to hear that even even between the three of you, you had fairly diverse experiences. Definitely don't stress about it. If yeah. you think it'd be yeah. something fun to do with your afternoon, go for do it. Do the fun thing. Like, do not stress about it. Yeah, do fun yeah. things. <laughs> Shadowing will not, like, it won't help you get letters, personal statements, CARMs, whatever. Shadowing is for you and, like, only for you. Do it for yeah. yourself. If you're genuinely interested, do it. If you don't, it's not going to really make a huge impact in anything else (laughs) (laughs) fair now now speaking of super fun things you've been mentioning clerkship a little bit um, but do you mind talking a little bit more about what clerkship looked like and maybe some of the challenges that you might have faced through that yeah I, I I guess I can say um clerkship was a series of three to four to six sometimes one or two week rotations jumping around and essentially supposed to sample all of the specialties out there um it's a whirlwind you kind of jump around hospitals you jump around specialties uh every time you're like so uh, 
uh, I'm the third year medical student I'm here to be with Dr. So-and-so. And then until they notice you, it's like 20 minutes later and they're like, oh man, I didn't know I had a student today. Okay. And then, I mean, that's not every day in clerkship. Some days you have a wonderful team of residents that you get to like drink from their fountain of knowledge and be like, oh my God, I want to be like you. And they're going to be like, oh, you should do our specialty. And then you think, oh my God, maybe I should be an internist or psychiatrist or insert specialty here because the residents are so nice and they seem really fun. So yeah, it's a whirlwind of experiences, emotions, um, variety of people that you get to work with. But all in all, the pressure is low because um, you're yet to start your auditioning process before here, unless it's really a specialty that you know you're interested in. So you really just get a taste of all sorts of things at the bottom of the food chain um, and see what you enjoy with lower pressure. Honestly, that didn't sound that bad at all. Oh, yeah. thanks for reassuring. I know. I, I tend to have a positive spin on things you guys need to reel me back down. Like, CARMS was horrible. I will not minimize it. CARMS sucked. Clerkship, I wish I told myself more. This is low pressure. Like, no one cares if you know this stuff or not. Like, if someone puts you on the spot or pimps you, like, you don't know the answer. Like, who cares? Like, you're, you might never see them again. <laughs> Yeah, I think like we get all like advice all the time about enjoying the process. And during third year, I felt like I really couldn't enjoy the process when you're like staying up all night doing call or you have to be somewhere rounding at 6am or you had to study on top of um, rounding at 6am to write the end of block clerkship exams that you'll have um, after every like large block. But after going through CARMS, you realize just like, how low stakes um, clerkship actually is. And it's the one time in your life where you get to sample all these different specialties that you may never do again. So like, I don't think I'm ever going going to do a rotation in psychiatry again or in thoracic surgery or in ophthalmology. I had no interest in any of those specialties, but like, I don't know, at the end of the day, like I signed up to do medicine because like I want to see all aspects of medicine. And this is like the one time in your life you truly can. So I wish I had like kind of savored and enjoyed the experience more and complained a little less. But <laughs> if I had any advice. Complaining is therapeutic though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, if I had any advice, I would say enjoy the process. Clerkship is really not as scary as what it seems to be. Yeah, I agree with with all of that. Um, I think as you can tell from from Maya, you, pediatricians are like these very happy, bubbly people, which, I, like I said, was the thing I started off with. So if you can pick the track that starts with peds, that's a good way to enter into clerkship, I think, because I had no idea where like the charts were or anything. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, don't 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 worry. I'll come show you. Whereas may, I'm not sure if other specialties would have been as kind at the start. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I mean, it's a time for you to also see what kind of um, personalities you do fit in because I, I mean there are obviously stereotypes which are not always true when you're going through but it, they're like there are kind of different personalities in each specialty and you can start to feel what kind of people you feel like you fit in with most with staff and the residents and all that kind of thing um, and yeah I totally agree it's it's not as high stakes as I certainly thought it was going through it's not a time where you need to worry about getting a bunch of letters or your performance I mean this is from someone who pursued family medicine so I don't know if you're like doing plastic surgery or something if that's different but um, yeah, it's really just for you to experience the different specialties and, and you can worry about, you know, your letters and performing really well in those electives, I think, later on. That's awesome. I think we got some great pieces of advice there and my stress levels are definitely lower um, <laughs> compared to any other time clerkship has been mentioned in class. 
Um, so now transitioning, we've moved you through first year all the way through to the end of clerkship. And so now we're back at the start of fourth year or I guess halfway through third year um, and talking about electives again. So um, Taylor, you mentioned on our pre-interview call that there can be strategies to picking your electives. For example, you know, taking a bunch of different things um, to show your varied interest for family medicine. So could you talk more about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think this it probably applies for every specialty that there's a certain strategy as far as being able to build your application to pursue something. Um, for myself, I knew I was pretty interested in, in rural family medicine. And um, like we were talking about before with the, the rank order list, so uh, UBC will compile your scores for your interview and your personal letters and your reference letters and all that, and they'll put it put it into a, a score. Um, and some programs, at least at UBC, can take that score that they're given and they can change the list up to 25%. Um, so if you were um, somewhere on the list that was within 25% of the next person to be picked, they can move you up if, if they wanted you kind of thing. Um, so why I say that is, is some programs will have criteria that, um, say for a rural program, they want to see that you have a rural interest and that you've done medical experiences in smaller communities, or maybe you've done some more acute care in the ICU or merge or that kind of thing. So um, there was certainly strategy as, as far as trying to tailor your application towards what you want to go into. And, and similarly with family, if you wanted to be in a big urban center working with lots of marginalized populations and all that kind of thing, like the St. Paul site, they, they also did that as well. So I think programs... Um, um, we'll obviously try to look and see that you have, you know, an interest in what what uh, what they offer. Um, and then similarly with particular sites, sometimes they'll if you've done an elective there, that that will help. So that was certainly the case at, at Kamloops. And um, I know I, speaking to students that are pursuing other specialties, doing a rotation in fourth year in that particular place is, is often very helpful. So um, some planning around thinking where you would like to end up eventually and also that, you know, the specialty you want to go into is important. Um, and so for family, they don't really have a, a set of amount of weeks that you need to do in any particular thing. But I think showing that you have an interest in family and then that you've also pursued a variety of different clinical experiences. So, you know, maybe doing some pediatrics or OB or uh, merge or internal. I mean, it, lots of stuff is relevant, but certainly demonstrating you have an interest in family is important. Maya, Tina, were there any strategies that, that you pursued for showing your interest or, or trying to differentiate from other people that were applying? Um, I think my electives I made very like BC focused and BC heavy. I had multiple reasons for why I wanted to match to a program uh, at UBC. There were personal reasons, um, like relationship reasons with my partner, um, as well as just like general program reasons. So a strategy I used um, at the time, we had 12 weeks that we could use for any given specialty. I think that's now down to eight. So this might be a little more difficult, um, but I wanted to have some big like four week electives at UBC um, because with the four week ones, you get so much more time to kind of establish your autonomy on a team um, to really like build that rapport with your preceptor um, to truly get into I guess like the meat of the elective um, so I had two of those um, two four-week ones one of them was an OB one of them was in uh, perinatal addictions um, which is more uh, which is a family elective but focused in maternity care 
Um, so that's how I kind of strategized it. And then I picked electives. I picked two week electives in out of province cities that um, I would be happy to go to um, to go to their programs as well. Um, and for our cycle this year, it was very evident that if you had gone somewhere to do an elective, you were way more likely to have gotten an interview there. Um, that could change year by year, but that was evident in my cycle for OB. And Maya, I know you mentioned in our pre-interview that you were still working through a bit of the decision process at the time of electives. Did you find that going through electives help you to narrow that down at all? Yeah, I think so. By the end of clerkship, I had narrowed down my shortlist to three things, uh, pediatric, psychiatry, and family. So when I was picking my electives, um, I was more, uh, if I had to bet on which one I would choose, I would have bet pediatrics at the time. So I think I knew somewhere inside that pediatrics was more likely. So I did maximize the number of weeks of electives that I did in pediatrics. So I also did 12 of pediatrics. 12 weeks of pediatric selective um, because it's also quite a competitive specialty amongst the three, um, although the others can be competitive as well. And then I did four weeks of family and four weeks of psychiatry. Uh, so when I was doing my pediatric selectives, um, I really enjoyed working with the demographic I was working with. I loved working with families. I think a huge part of pediatrics is family education, which is the same actually in a lot of specialties like same as family um, too but for whatever reason it was the specific kind of pediatric settings where I really enjoyed kind of getting into the details of things with families and walking them through uh, processes even in uh, very tough and scary times for them so for me it was the patient interactions that really solidified things for me during electives um, but I also really enjoyed my family elective. I did the same one as Tina. I did perinatal addictions for four weeks, which is arguably not the bread and butter of family medicine that you would anticipate. But that was in November for me, like right before CARMS was due or the CARMS application um, was due. And I had a mini freak out. I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to be a family doctor. <laughs> Tina was there for it. Um, but in the end you know, you kind of just have to weigh out your pros and cons of what you want and where you imagine yourself in the future. I think that was in the end, what helped me the most was how do I imagine myself down the line? Like after residency, like what is the career that I'm looking for and what are my non-negotiables? Um, and in the end I landed with Keith. That's awesome. Thanks for walking us through that. I know that myself, Adam, a number of our peers are all still trying to figure out, you know, what we're interested in and some of us have shortlists, others don't. And so I think it's helpful to know that, you know, regardless of which pathway you are and um, that you'll have the time to figure it out and that clerkship is and, and electives is definitely going to be a time to, to solidify what your interests are. Um, yeah, I agree. Taylor, one specific question for you now. Um, you ended up choosing family medicine, but a rural family medicine program. So I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned that you grew up in a big city. And so how did you end up landing in rural family medicine as opposed to just doing one, let's say, here in Vancouver? Sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess, full disclosure, I'm not really in the, the smallest rural programs that at least UBC has to offer. Um, but in Kamloops, we'll, we're basically the only residents there and it has definitely more of a rural spin. Um, I grew up in Surrey, so I, I grew up in an urban environment. And aside from uh, hockey, I'd never really spent a prolonged period of time living in a, in a rural town. So I didn't really know that it was what it was what I wanted and wasn't really on my radar that much. Um, 
but uh, I kind of had my eyes open to it when I went through third year in clerkship. It was one of my later rotations, and I just really enjoyed the the rural experience. Um, you were in a smaller hospital. You knew all the consultants and most of the staff there. Uh, you got to practice a mix of, of medicine. So in the same week, you would do a couple outpatient days in the clinic. You'd see your inpatients in the morning. You might have some emerge shifts, um, and some of them even did delivery. So I thought that was such a cool mix of medicine. Um, and I think at least on my decision on trying to pursue uh, a rural-style uh, training program is that I thought it would be much easier to train in that setting uh, and continue to have those procedural skills and, and kind of the increased responsibility that comes with being in a smaller spot um, in my training and, and then be able to stay there versus being in a very urban center and then trying to go rural afterwards. Um, that being said, I mean, your, your training is going to be great regardless and you can kind of make it what you want. So if you end up in an urban setting and you want to do rural, you can build in more rural months into it and uh, you can kind of like, like family in general, you can make it what you want um, so there's not really one way to go about it but I just I, I really enjoyed the rural experience and um, I'm not sure that I want to practice rural indefinitely but I think being in a smaller uh, smaller city even Kamloops size affords you uh, more opportunities as a family doctor to work as a, you know, say a hospitalist or um, the emergency department is uh, completely staffed there with FM plus ones and emerge and all that kind of thing so it's a little bit easier to build that variety into your practice in in a in a smaller place than being in, in urban Vancouver but um, like Maya said, it's, I mean, it's really about envisioning what you want in the, in the future, as far as what you want in your practice and, um, you know, trying to set up your, your training to be able to do that. And I saw myself going, going rural for that reason. Yeah. It, it seems like there's a lot of factors that can play a role in what location you might want to practice in, let alone what specialty you want. So definitely is a lot to consider. Uh, Maya, I know you mentioned that you'll be going to Victoria. I was wondering if there were certain things that you had to focus on to choose even between, say, Vancouver and Victoria, or was that a fairly straightforward decision for you? For sure. No, that was a tough decision. So I'm from Vancouver. Uh, for the past four years, I've been living in my parents' basement, uh, saving a lot on rent, <laughs> which has been wonderful. But I feel very, <laughs> you know, I feel very ready to kind of, you know, go back out there because I wasn't living in my parents basement for undergrad or before med school so um so I yeah I mean it was hard to decide Vancouver is home but in the end uh, I picked Victoria because the Victoria program is unique in that it's very small there are only two residents per year and I was looking forward to being in a small program I think I realized it was one of my priorities uh, having been in Vancouver Fraser site of uh, UBC Medical School. It is a very big site. There are a lot of students and there's a lot of pros to being in a big program, but um, I was ready to kind of explore a smaller community. And I did my undergrad in Montreal and the cold was not good for me or my <laughs> mental health. And I was very afraid of the very cold winters out east. So I was kind of really hoping not to have to experience that again. Uh, so I wanted to stay in BC, but I was looking for an adventure and I wanted a smaller program. So Victoria kind of picked all those boxes. Plus, like when you when I interviewed there and when I met the residents there, I just felt like I jived with them. And so much of it is the vibe I felt um, since I have that luxury of choosing because I don't have um, dependents or a partner or family that I need to rely on. Great. And again, this is making me realize all the different things that you have to sit down and spend some time figuring out what's best for you and everyone else that's associated with the decision. And 
I know, Tina, you were talking about having your family and partner to think about as well. Um, how did that play into your decision-making process? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I think, like, everyone is on a spectrum on deciding where they want to be based on program preference versus personal versus location. Uh, my spectrum was definitely on personal and location. Um, after going through the CARMS tour, like, all the OB programs I saw across Canada were great. At the end of the day, you were going to be um, a good surgeon, a great generalist. You can practice wherever you want in Canada. So I figure I'm going to receive good training no matter what. Um, it basically comes down to my decision as to where I want to do it. Um, and I didn't want to take five years very lightly because it, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not a long time, but current, like given where you are kind of in life and like what you may want to accomplish in the next, in your early adulthood, it, it actually is a significant amount of time that you shouldn't take lightly. Um, and so I, some things I considered were my like long-term partner and where he was able to work in Canada. Um, so that was one limitation. Um, fortunately, he could only work in larger cities and I wanted to stay in a big city. So that made our decision to rank kind of my programs pretty reasonable and pretty easy. Another thing that I had to consider was my family. So I'm originally from Kelowna and my parents and my sister are still in Kelowna and they're the only family I have um, in Canada. So I wanted to stay in BC. Unfortunately, there's no OB program in Kelowna, much to my mom's great sorrow. She still doesn't understand really why I didn't apply to Kelowna, but <laughs> she'll just have to live with that now. <laughs> yeah, um, so I wanted to stay in BC because that's really important for me and like things in my family, like my sister is really young, like I want to be around when, you know, like she graduates high school, goes to university. Um, and personal reasons for me were that like I had done my undergrad here, I'd done med school here. Of course, people would tell me like, maybe you should try somewhere else. Maybe it's time to move. Um, but I already felt like I like got that kind of out of the way with moving here from Kelowna. Um, and because I had spent so long in Vancouver, I'd built such a base here. All my hobbies, all my interests, all my activities were attached to the city. And I figured a five-year surgical residency was not going to be easy, but what was going to make it easier is to like be with my partner, my support system, be around my community um, that I like so love and enjoy like doing activities with that that would probably actually make me a better resident than if I were somewhere um, a little more isolated from my community. So those were the decisions I had to think about. Tina, can I give them a picture of your hobbies, including the fact that you're a supreme dodgeballer and <laughs> dragon boater? <laughs> Wait, hold on. We have to explore this for a second. <laughs> Just some context. Yeah. yeah. They're very niche hobbies, but, like, I figured if I'm enjoying them here, like, why, why change them right now? <laughs> I'm already going through a big change with transitioning to residency, you know. Wanted to, like, have something stay constant. <laughs> Tina's very cool. Thank you, Maya. <laughs> Maya's not biased at all. <laughs> no. I know everyone's very cool. Yeah. Everyone's great. So then, are there any things that, you know, that we can do in first, second, and third year that can make, you know, fourth year and the CARMS process less overwhelming? Are there things that we can start to think about, or is it still too, too early to start doing that? 
or maybe I could phrase it as, is there something that you wish that you personally would have done differently to prepare? I think, I think I wish that I would have kept a better, like I was saying earlier, kept a better record of the kind of experiences that I was having at least early on in clerkship. Cause I didn't end up doing that until basically the end of clerkship and through fourth year. Um, and I think just having a good record of that is, is helpful, at least in saving time down the line. Um, I, I never really had like the super competitive specialties on my radar. So it's tough for me to say, but maybe if you were trying to pursue plastics or, or derm or whatever ends up being super competitive um, in the future, it, deciding that might be, might be helpful just in the way of being able to jump on some research projects and all that kind of thing um, earlier rather than later. Uh, that's kind of the only thing I can think of. But aside from that, if you're not wanting to do one of those, one of those few ones, then I mean, I think a lot becomes clear once you enter clerkship and, and onwards. Yeah. And just don't, don't stress too much. And also, I think there's something to be said about not deciding super early, because if you do that, I feel like you'll go into clerkship and you'll say to yourself, I'm already an ophthalmologist. I don't care about any of these other things. And you'll have your blinders up for everything. And I think you just won't really try to experience anything, which I mean, you might have something else that you, you might be interested in. Yeah, I would say like in my circle of friends in medical school, probably half the people I know thought they wanted to do something going into clerkship and came out of clerkship wanting to do something totally different, like even totally unrelated. And that happens all the time. That's maybe more likely to happen than to not happen just because of the range of things you'll be seeing. Um, And I know it can be stressful because maybe by the end of clerkship, you have all your fourth year out of province electives already selected. Um, You have your UBC electives already, you know, ready to go, but you can still change this. And like, it's stressful when you have to change something like that. It's stressful when you're moving around dates or moving around out of province electives. But like, if you truly wanted to do gen surge rather than internal, like you will find a way to find those electives. It may not be in a desirable location. It may be only for two weeks rather than four weeks. Um, but I think that like actually speaks a lot when you write your letter and when you go for your interviews saying like, I didn't know I wanted to do this until the very end. And I tried everything I can to do this. Um, and I'm dedicated and I've shown you how committed I am given the time that I had. So I think it's okay if you don't even know when you start fourth year electives, because um, you're, there's always room to change. There's always room to prove why you did something or to explain why you did something. There will be an avenue for that. Yeah, I think there's so much uncertainty with CARMS and I mean, you know, we're getting a taste of uncertainty with this pandemic. So, you know, in a way grander scheme, but yeah, CARMS is filled with uncertainties and things that you can't control. So it is our natural tendency, maybe most of us as med students and maybe type A personalities to try to control what we can. But I think looking back, I think the best thing you can do is stay true to who you are and do the things that bring you joy, that get you excited. Like, you know, obviously it'll make you stand out more if you have extracurriculars. So if you're doing extracurriculars, don't just do them because they seem to sound good on the CV, but do them because you're truly passionate about what you're doing and you're really enjoying them. For example, I never super jived with research so far. Hopefully, maybe I will in the future. Um, But so far, you know, I didn't have very much research experience, but I did all sorts of things that brought me joy. Um, And ultimately, through CARMS, I applied to three specialties. I applied to PEDS, psych, and family. I can't remember if I've already said this, but, um, but it's possible to do. And, you know, if you feel it in your heart that this is what you want to do or that 
there's a part of you that wants to do this and you're still unsure, you can explain that. And just if you stay genuine and true um, and work hard, I think that's all you can really do. Uh, but it's hard to say, don't stress, because obviously people stress. <laughs> because and it's stressful. Yeah, it's stressful. But the other thing I want to say about Clerkship, yeah, too, is even though I said, you know, it's really not stressful, it's low stakes, which it is. I Someone who was senior to me had told me to try to go into every specialty as if potentially I might end up doing it. Um, just to try to experience it to its fullest. And I think that was a good tip of advice. I mean, do it so much so that you don't burn out your candle, but you know, try to experience things. I'm going to hire Maya as my coach for the next three years. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to feel bad about myself ever again. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a message to everyone. Maya, you need to start your own podcast. <laughs> oh, thanks. My sister is a business student, and she just keeps thinking that we have this, like, really niche business idea that we could be, like, coaches for medical people. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway. I think there's a lot yeah. of money in that. Yeah. 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 She, that's what she keeps telling me. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's working for two of us at least. <laughs> um, I think as junior medical students, all that we know how to do really well is just stress. <laughs> so that's pretty reassuring, at least on, on my end, and I'm sure Allie will agree with me there. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that advice. I know that'll be really helpful for those listening. And now that we've brought you back, uh, residency is just around the corner, uh, and we wanted to ask you a very broad question. How are you feeling about that? Oh. <laughs> Now it's like here. Honestly, it feels like here we go again. <laughs> I'm sweating. I need to take my me too. I'm just thinking about it. Oh yeah, it's just it's just another transition point, and you're gonna have so many in your life, and we're still gonna have so many. We're not done. We're not even close to being done our final form because there is really no final form in medicine. It's just gonna be one transition after another. Um, I'm a little bit like scared <laughs> also because we haven't done much in the last few months um but now oh it comes gosh, with yeah. a new sense of responsibility that you like you're gonna you're getting paid to do your job and you're responsible like you're first on call you're leading a team which is something that you're not really trained to do as a med student at all so um it's gonna be bumpy it's gonna be tough I think but that's that that's kind of the beauty of it and I'm pretty excited and scared uh beyond words <laughs> yeah I'm with you great yeah yeah ditto I mean I think there's parts of it that are exciting too like we've been looking mm. forward to this for a long time and um that increased independence and all that but with that definitely comes with some some nerves yeah I'm currently anxiously awaiting a potential landlord to send me a lease so you know there's all these little stressors <laughs> of like you gotta move and amidst the pandemic which is an interesting time um, for many of our classmates and peers who are moving. And even without moving, it's, yeah, like Tina said, a new sense of responsibility, which I'm sure once we start, we'll look back and be like, we thought it was this big thing, just like we thought clerkship was going to be like this big thing. And then, but there's a lot of support. Uh, so I'm really hoping that the support is really there. And I think it will be. I think I'm excited to get to know my new community. That's the thing I'm most excited about. But definitely nervous yeah and it's really exciting because when you go through clerkship you'll see all these residents and you're like wow they're so like they're so incredible they 
are all friends. They have their own community and they are really good teachers. They are really good with patients. And like, you're always hoping like, wow, one day I hope I'm like this resident or that resident. And like, now it's exciting because like we have the opportunity to be that and, um, and to like make close relationships with people who you literally probably see more than your partners, your roommates, your family members. Yeah. So it's going to, it's a special time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate all of you being so candid with us. Um, But we're also reaching the end of our episode. Um, But before we do, we wanted to give you one last opportunity to to pass some advice to our listeners. Um, So just for a moment, just imagine that it's August, 2016. And you're just about to start in the UBC medicine class of 2020. What advice do you have for your first year self? Oh my gosh. Sounds like a Carms interview question. When we yeah. it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I can start. Um, and I've been trying to kind of spread this message, like the gospel, <laughs> um, to spread it as much as I can to people um, in other years. In my Carms interview, I really wanted to nail my UBC OB interview. That was kind of like all four years have led up to this moment and I was so incredibly nervous and so like oh man like everything wrote on that I got asked and you'll get asked this everywhere I got asked why like why do you want to stay in BC why do you want to stay in Vancouver why UBC and I'm like I had all these generic kind of cookie cutter answers thought out already I had prepared everything and like for the life of me, I just couldn't remember. And I just like felt like I would sound generic if I had said it. And I kind of just spoke the truth. I'm not saying that anyone should do this, but basically (laughs) I spoke the truth. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was because I just got new skis. (laughs) (laughs) You're in. That's, that's the perfect answer. Like everyone like looked at each other like did she really just say that and then like everyone just like burst out laughing and then we were talking (laughs) about skiing and then I think the interview was over and I don't think I even got to any of their other questions (laughs) so that's that's not the advice I'm not saying you should not answer their questions fully but if I told if I'm talking to myself in August 2016 I would tell myself to not only like continue all the activities I loved outside of medicine, but to don't feel guilty and don't feel like you're being selfish to pursue things that you may have never even wanted or thought you had time to pursue before. Because in my CARMS interview, I can't even tell you the number of times they asked me, what are you proud of outside of medicine? What did you do outside of medicine? Um, and, and I felt like I could tell them, like, actually in med school, I pursued way more extracurriculars and hobbies at a way higher level than I ever had before, than in my undergrad, than in high school, than in all these other times of my life, because I felt like that was, number one, that was what I wanted to do, because I didn't want medicine to define my life. Um, and number two, that was what I needed for, like, my overall mental well-being was to step away and, like, really reflect on myself and to be with the people who still, like, made my identity so much more than being a medical student. Um, and I think that it's just, like, whether you want to do this for CARMS or not, it just, like, shows that you're a person and shows that you have way more going on than your CV. 
Um, and I think it can only benefit you at the end of the day. And like Maya said, like if you have something else going on, but you like think you should shadow, you should probably do that other thing if you're going to enjoy it more. And if you think that that will help you with your physical well-being or mental well-being or whatever, or like help you with your relationship building with your friends. So I just, I just hope that everyone listening will, will just think about like what really like brings them joy in life outside of school and work and continue to do that because I think that um it will it will like make you a better doctor yeah yeah Tita <laughs> everything she said <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you don't tell your interviewer you just found new skis no that's great <laughs> Sharp increase yeah. in the number of people buying new skis just yeah. before closing yeah, the news and Um, yeah, I guess I can go next. I, 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 I totally agree with everything there. You got to continue to do the stuff outside of medicine that you find joy with, because that's going to be important, not only in med school, but in, in residency and your practice, like things are always going to get stressful and probably even more stressful as time goes on. So you got to have those outlets to go to. And it's super important. Like Tina said, it comes up in the interviews. They want to know that you have a, a life outside as well. Um, and then I think, uh, as you go through too, you'll, you'll certainly find what brings you joy within, within medicine is you can hear Maya and Tina when they, when they speak, they obviously really like what they've ended up in and, um, and they realize that throughout their journey. And, and I think when you're going through, you might reflect on, you know, you might be pulled in different directions for reasons other than that, whether it's, um, finances or, or work-life balance and all that kind of thing. And not to say that those aren't important, but, I mean, coming from someone who's never really, really practiced in it, truly, it's tough for me to say, but I feel like your longevity and your happiness and your practice is going to be dependent on, on you, um, enjoying the work that you're doing day to day. So I I would try to focus on that the most when you go through clerkship and, and your four years in general. I guess I can, I can add to that, but I think everything that Taylor and Tina said really resonates with me. Um, I had a similar experience to Tina in that I rehearsed my answer of like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years, which you get asked all across um, your CARMS uh, tour or your CARMS interviews. Um, I rehearsed that. And my last interview was my Victoria Peds interview. And the program director asked me that. And I had this like perfectly prepared answer. And I just said, I really want a dog. <laughs> and, so, and, and I similarly to Tina, I was looking back at that interview. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had all these like answers prepared. And I've gone through all these interviews saying them. And then like, why did I say I really want a dog? But I guess it just like keeps you human. I don't know. Um, again, not recommending that, you know, you say that to your interviewers, but it worked out. Um, I think, like I said earlier, there's so much you can't control. And so um, just rehashing what you two have said is just do the things that bring you joy and stay connected. And And I found Christmas in BC Medicine was a very wonderful and supportive community. So um, I think I was lucky to find my supportive people and to find my outlets outside of medicine, but even within medicine, you know, like arts and medicine was a big part of my life. And I never really imagined that that was its own thing before med school. And it was really cool to explore. So I think keeping yourself open to new possibilities and staying true to yourself is all you can really do. Um, And, you know, when I was having a pretty tough experience, um, one day I called my mom 
feeling very upset and feeling like this is never going to work out. And she just said to me in the very ESL fashion, <laughs> Maya, no matter what happens, we'll make lemonade. <laughs> like butchered that saying a little bit, but it really resonated with me. And I held that with me throughout the whole carbs process saying, okay, you know what? Like all you can do is work your hardest, stay connected with the people um, who are your people and bring you joy within, within and outside of medicine. Um, and just do your best. And no matter what happens, you know, it's part of your journey and you'll make do and make the most out of it. You'll have to put that on a t-shirt for your med consulting <laughs> business. I know. On yeah. on match day, our girlfriends had a lemonade party in honor of my mom. <laughs> it's like everything awesome. was lemon themed. Like no matter what happens today, we'll make lemonade. I hope your mom was invited say- to the party. <laughs> she wasn't, sadly. She was kind of oh, I think that's a perfect way to end our episode today. So on behalf of myself and Allie and the rest of the Metamorphosis team, we wanted to say a very big thank you to all three of you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and your candor and the advice you have. It's It's been really helpful, at least for me, and I know everyone's hey, felt me too. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Allie too. <laughs> um, but it's been great having you on the show and the best of luck in your residency programs. Thank, thank you. you so much for having yeah, us. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. If you rotate through wherever we are, just be sure to say hello and um, don't be scared. We'll fill out a WBA workspace (laughs) form for you. Yeah, bring bring your WBAs. (laughs) We'll bring the lemonade. You bring the WBA. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode. It was recorded, produced, and edited with 100% adherence to social distancing guidelines. That is true. I'm in my bathroom. (laughs) For more episodes of Metamorphosis, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, stay healthy, and remember to wash your hands. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 